everybody. Welcome to the Saligo Technology Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Tenenbaum, the social media manager over here at Saligo. Today, we are joined by my co-host, Mark Simon, who's our vice president of strategy, uh, as well as Eric uh, Kaiser, the CEO of Orderful, and Piers McDonald, the CTO of Orderful. Uh, pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jordan. Absolutely. Well, we might as well jump right into it. Um, I'll start with you, Eric, and Piers, you can feel free to answer this question uh, after uh, once once Eric goes. But um, you guys have been in the EDI space for quite some time. And I'm kind of curious if you could just tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to, um, you know, becoming the CEO of Vortiful. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, my background uh, starts in the trenches of EDI. Um, right out of university, I, I got a degree in informatics, which is uh, essentially computer science with, with business. Um, started my career as a consultant in Chicago, and um, the first projects I was working on uh, were EDI projects. And I was just surprised, you know, I learned so much about modern technology in school and then was asked to build flat file integrations between, you know, like a meat manufacturer and Walmart and was kind of like blown away with how kind of legacy the tech was and how, how the supply chain operated. Fast forward a few years after that, um, you know, I ended up realizing I could make some money in the space, started my own consulting firm, a company called Dopio Group. Uh, we focus on the N4 ERP market and all we did was build EDI integrations and then other API integrations. And as I was doing that, I started to recognize that, you know, the biggest challenge with EDI was all about uh, efficiency to onboard new partners and efficiency to solve problems, uh, like really like understand what the problems were and, and figure out how to uh, solve them quickly. And so uh, I took another kind of leap and and uh, had this like this idea that I could build a platform uh, that brought EDI partners together in, in days um, or, or even seconds. Um, and that was kind of the impetus of starting Orderful. That was back in 2017. I've um, been working on Orderful for about seven years now. Um, yeah, my you know the last fifteen years have been hyper focused on EDI, and and what we're doing uh, at Orderful is, you know, we built a software platform that's uh, that's not only bringing partners together in in days and kind of you know executing against that vision of making EDI connections really easy and fast, uh, but also enabling companies to solve problems um, in minutes and seconds. So, you know, kind of really taking advantage of this legacy market and putting a, a really modern uh, spin on top of, you know, something that's been around for the last 40, 50 years. That's fantastic. I think that's uh, what a lot of businesses and brands are sorely lacking. And um, Piers, can you tell us just a little bit about how you got to where you are and maybe um, your role in such a transformative uh, EDI company like Orderful? Absolutely. Uh, I can't speak as well. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to beat Eric's uh, description of kind of the genesis of Orderful, but uh, I can start my story. Uh, I'm going to go back even further. It's the 1980s, and my parents just got a Commodore 64 uh, for our basement. I don't remember much, except like there was brown shag carpeting. I can vaguely tell you the layout of that room, but I remember that Commodore, and I was hooked. Uh, you know, early on, I knew uh, I, I loved computers and computing and software. Uh, you sure you, you're such a dork. You sure you want to share all that? Hey, it's <laughs> like we've had a revolution. Geeks, uh, geeks have inherited the earth, right? The, uh, yeah, that's right. Hey, 
I can be open and proud about it. Yeah. Uh, mid nineties, you'd ask me, what do you want to do? Like, I would have been like, I want to work at Microsoft, you know, the, the hottest, the coolest uh, software company in the world. And I want to make video games. Uh, and then I went on, I got a comp sci degree, did the, the usual stuff. I started my career in telecom doing nothing near that. I was doing complex order fulfillment uh, and integration as you know, uh, uh, telecoms are like uh, the, the industry is the amalgamation of many smaller regional uh, telecommunication providers eating, gobbling each other up. And so tons of complex uh, uh, systems being integrated together. And then eventually I, I went on from there and I went, uh, I achieved my, my dream uh, for 2012 and I worked at Microsoft building video games. But uh, sometimes, you know, your dreams aren't what they, uh, uh, aren't all that, you know, you imagine them to be. Made a few, uh, published a few Xbox games, but realized I'd rather not see how the sausage is made. And I just, I'm happy to play them. Didn't want to be in the industry. And I thought I'd go back to uh, uh, kind of boring uh, software. And uh uh, that's how I found, uh, shortly after met Eric, uh, and, uh, and he told me about the Oracle vision, which was all of that kind of stuff of like, you know, it, it aligned with like backend systems, uh, and, and order fulfillment, which was, uh, you know, my bread and butter I'd done, uh, for years up to that point. Uh, and his idea of modernizing the, you know, a, an important problem was, uh, was huge, spoke to me, uh, massively because it wasn't a solution looking for a problem. He had this massive problem, uh, and he, he had, you know, convinced people to uh to, to purchase this uh product that didn't exist yet and i remember one of the first things he said is hey we have to build this and i'm like whoa whoa whoa! you have people that you know that are that have signed up for it uh, and this problem is so big and you haven't even built it i'm in that is a real problem that people need solved uh and for all the reasons eric just mentioned uh and that was uh five years ago over five years ago and uh i uh, yes uh like you mentioned i'm the cto i i run the engineering team and i've uh, helped us build uh, the, the platform that we have today. And uh, that's me. That's my, uh, my involvement in orderful. Well, that's awesome. Appreciate you both giving us a little bit of background. Um, and I will say in all 10 episodes, that's the second time we've had a uh, Commodore mentioned on the podcast. So I hope this is a continuing thread. I will keep track as long as that happens. Uh, that, that's, it wasn't the size of the problem, uh, the EDI problem that I gravitated to. It was the Commodore 64 because I had one in the 80s. <laughs> so I was like, hey. <laughs> that was an important machine, yeah. That's uh, that's really funny. So just with that in mind, in terms of we're talking about Commodores, we're talking about legacy systems um, that you guys have kind of helped revolutionize. Let's kick this off into the EDI space, um, and then Mark will kind of hopefully swing around with some uh, more poignant questions because I know he's an expert at that. But why hasn't EDI changed? Like, what what is so legacy about? And you can go into the weeds or you can keep it as service level as you want. But why is it something that seems so stuck in the past? Actually, before the before the guys answer that, let's even take it a, a step further. Because some some of our audience is, I, I know, is familiar with EDI. They've heard of it, but they don't work with it every day. And if, especially if they're not a product-based company in certain verticals, they, they may never have interfaced with it. I, I'd love to just start there. Like, what is EDI in in 90 seconds for everybody because it's kind of one of those things that gets thrown around and, and not necessarily everybody knows really understands what it is yeah right on i mean edi is uh it's a way of integrating um supply chain data with your supply chain and there are you know it's a concept it's not a protocol it's not a standard um it stands for electronic data interchange and it's a you know it's a kind of suggestion of how to integrate data with your supply chain partners. 
Um, it applies to not only retail, so you know a lot of the Sligo um, audience would probably be merchants or brands, right? It applies to brands. Yep. It applies in healthcare. Uh, it applies in uh, the financial vertical. Um, it applies uh, also uh, really heavily in logistics between shippers and carriers and 3PLs. Um, so it's spread across almost every industry. Um, and it's a suggestion on how to integrate. Um, you know, there are two major standards in North America. We have the ANSI X12 standard. And in Europe, there's a standard called Edifact. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's, you know, these kind of published uh, suggestions of how to handle um, integrated transactions like a purchase order or an invoice or an ASN. And the real challenge with it is that every uh, everyone has their own flavor of what a transaction could look like, right? Because these are just suggestions. So for example, if you're a merchant integrating with Walmart, Costco, and Amazon, um, each one of those big buyers uh, or wholesalers has their own unique flavor of EDI. And you're gonna be integrating a, a unique version of a purchase order with Walmart, purchase order with Costco, purchase order with Amazon, and none of that's gonna be the same. Um, and so the challenge is like really like for the merchant or the brand, in this case, you have to build custom integrations to every partner in your supply chain to handle all of the different types of EDI integrations. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I saw as like a EDI developer uh, in the trenches was like, you know, I thought I was decent at writing code, but it took me a very long time to get that job done. It, you know, what I experienced is it took about a quarter, uh, maybe two quarters to, you know, integrate data with Walmart. I mean, it wasn't the technology side of it. It was really kind of the, the people and process side of it that, that got really challenging. That's, that's, that's a great explanation, uh, Eric. Now, the way you described that as this EDI is this standard uh, for businesses to communicate electronically uh, and automate data between them. This sounds really forward thinking and, and modern, right? It, it, it's, it's, is EDI cutting edge? Sounds like it's, it's just this, this very modern thing that's only developed in the, in the last few years. Or what, what, what? So it's been around, it predates the internet. So it's been around before the internet was created. And, and you know, the, you know, when it came out, it was like an extremely modern concept, right? Like how do we send and receive high, highly dense amounts or packets of information um, and then parse that information and understand what we're looking at? Um, and all that, like I said, was done over telephone. As the internet matured and, you know, things like web browsers and, you know, FTP servers and uh, all this, you know, all this technology came out. The technology had a chance to advance and it never really did, right? Like the thing that's crazy about EDI is like a lot of the principles that were created 50 years ago are still the core principles of the solution today. Um, maybe some of the fringe technology around um, how data is exchanged has changed, like, you know, a communication channel like an AS2 server or an API. Um, but a lot of the core kind of principles of the format of the data and the structure all relatively remains the same. That's fantastic. Appreciate that. Thank you for clarifying. And, and that answers my question, why EDI hasn't changed? Because it's been around for 50, 60 years and it's kind of yeah, stuck in its old ways. I think the other part of that is like, you know, it's 
it's everybody has it. So like, you know, since it's been around for so long, every company has adopted some version of EDI. Um, you know, so since it's since it's kind of everywhere, there's been no reason for it to change. And then, you know, if you look at like enterprises actually hiring technical resources to do work, um, it's really hard for and it's really hard for a brand to hire like a technologist. So they hire consultants. Consultants have done the EDI work, and it becomes very easy for you know EDI to continue to be the, the core way of exchanging information. So from a leadership perspective from you, Eric, and from a technology perspective from you, Piers, what what are you building? What's next? What's the future in terms of whether or, uh, orderful or EDI in general? So I'll, I'll, I'll give some roadmap, uh, some hints at the roadmap of like some of the things we've released this year and then what's coming. Um, you know, our core, our core value prop is is there and we're really excited about that like that's actually been the most rewarding thing for me as a ceo with the vision of solving this problem is actually seeing us solve the problem for our customers which is taking you know the amount of time it takes to go live with a new partner from a quarter down to less than two weeks so that's now that that's there um as a company we've been focused on growth and with growth comes you know releasing new features that expand our total addressable market um, so we've released, you know, a new feature called that effect where we, you know, we can now service the whole, uh, European and Asian, uh, Asia Pacific regions with EDI. Um, and then we're going to start going down market with, you know, with new features that enable us to, you know, sell the smaller companies, like make, make EDI more self-serviceable for brands or merchants that maybe can't integrate data. Um, so that's kind of where we're going from, uh, you know, like a go-to-market perspective, um, but Pierre, I'll let Piers take the the product stuff because I, I do think we have some really cool, uh, really cool product things coming out, or really cool engineering things coming out. Um, you know, in particular AI, we've we've implemented some AI into our platform. Um, but yeah, Piers. Sure. Yeah, I say technology-wise, like we're, there, there's been kind of two big uh, pillars we, we we've tackled the EDI problem. The first is modernization. So with all this, uh, everything Eric mentioned about these standards, you know, coming around 50, 60 years ago, uh, I mean, old stuff works, right? It's uh, the, the reason like that we're still on and we kind of covered that. But for your modern developer, it, it's not very familiar. A lot of these standards started in a totally different environment. You know, memory was $10,000 a meg as opposed to being pennies now. So you'll see things like the uh, the beginning of an order. You don't say beginning of purchase order. You say beg, B-E-G. Because you know when, you, when 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 memory amounts are so small and so pricey, every single bit and and, and byte matters, uh, and so so it's very terse. And, and your, your modern developer, if you have you know uh, a developer that's out of school, you know got a few years experience or an intermediate maybe twenty four five years old, they haven't seen those kind of flat files and those kind of uh, th those things in, in years. You know th th those those constraints uh, have been gone for some time. So what we're trying to do is 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 by modernizing it is meet people and meet the developers of today and the people having EDI problems today in a technology space they're familiar with. You know, using JSON instead of uh, flat files as, as a medium of uh, data exchange, using a, a RESTful API instead of FTP or AS2 or any of these older communication protocols that are you know from the 80s, 90s, that kind of stuff. Make it natural and intuitive to uh, to uh, 
to exchange data. But that's, you know, any, I don't want to say anyone could do it. It wasn't trivial, but like, you know, plastering a modern thing in, in, in front of old tech is, is, is only half of it. The next thing, as Eric mentioned, is how do we actually get to some of the more core problems of what make, makes EDI hard? Yes, the, uh, the, the older nature of it makes it a little less un, un, unintuitive, but even once you understand all that, there's still some challenges. And so those big ones are, uh, a lot of it's a process. As much as EDI is technology, it's a process. So it is, uh, you know, and it's because it's different from every single retailer. Everyone you trade with, you know, you have to take different steps and, and go back and forth. So it's, it's adding workflow and guidance and helping people because as much as folks want the technology, uh, they often want just help understanding what they're supposed to do. You know, you score this big contract, you're selling into Walmart, you're like, yeah, this is it. We've made it to the big times. And then it's like, EDI, what the heck am I doing? So guiding people through that process with product is, is, has been a big uh, transformational thing. And then the, the next bit is uh, that uh, we're looking at, as Eric alluded to there, is the, uh, the translation between them. Everyone does EDI a little bit differently. They all use slightly different, uh, you know, their data in, within the same data structure. They still speak that a little bit differently, just like we can, you know, people can use, speak English uh, and, you know, you'd be using the same language. But you go, you know, from Louisiana to Glasgow, Scotland, to uh, you know, somewhere on the, the west coast, and it, it sounds a little bit different, almost to the the point on the extremes of being unintelligible. So what we're doing is we're we're looking to automate that uh, that translation away uh, using yeah some of the more exciting stuff is getting into LLMs and uh, and and training models because we've got you know a good uh, years now of, of data that we can use and say nope you know, Walmart needs to look like this. And so we can just take the payloads and, and predict the transformation that needs to happen. Uh, and, and that's kind of like uh, the the uh, the last stage, I'd say, of really solving the EDI problem. That's awesome. That, that's interesting, Pierce. So if, if, did I hear it correctly? You're, you're using the AI and some of those uh, generative AI model tools to to do predictive mapping then, to, to, to map from your... Uh, map into the the trading partner specific EDI document version. Exactly. So this is uh, this is a beta feature uh, uh, to keep in mind. But for you know since the inception, we've had a uh, a, a no code environment we refer to as a rules engine that helps you know allows anyone to do this kind of trading partner specific mapping. And now uh, you know the best uh, it's enabled. It's a you know very popular feature mm -hmm. and enable people. Uh, with with no programming background to to transform their data to meet the the requirements of their trading partners. Uh, with uh, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of like Excel like syntax, right? You know, if bracket this. Uh, but the best rule is the one you don't have to write. And so we're exactly we're using uh, uh, AI models to based off of the uh, the data we see, the historical data we've trained it with, and the the guidelines we need to meet to match, predict the rule and that data transformation that needs to happen. Oh, that's sure. really cool. That's a, a Mark and I talk about AI a lot here, and that's definitely not a use that we've um, come across before. Kind of like predictive uh, feeling, like I'm doing it with my fingers, but I guess like matching of mapping. Thank you. I don't know. Why yeah. I couldn't couldn't come to my brain. Um, I have a question because uh, something that I see a lot of overlap, and I'm not the world's most technical person, and I appreciate you guys explaining EDI before, but in what ways do EDI or a company like Orderful and iPass work together? Like, how are they friends? How are they enemies? Are they friends? Are they enemies? How do those two different technologies like overlap? And if it is a positive thing, which you guys are here, so I'd assume it is, how does that uh, help out your customers? 
Yeah, I can take that. And Mark, I'm sure you've got some opinions too. Maybe um, one or two. <laughs> I'll give us, I'll take a stab. I, I think like, I mean, definitely friends. Like there's no, no frenemy, no enemy concept here. Um, you know, an iPass and an EDI provider can play very well together. Um, and the reason for that is the iPass is great at API to API connections. But if you think about connecting NetSuite to Shopify or, you know, NetSuite to Returnly, like whatever these whatever these apps are, um, you know, the, the iPass is amazing for that. What we've done at Orderful is turn what is traditionally a B2B experience with EDI where everything is custom into an API to API experience. So if the iPass is great at API to API and Orderful is an API for EDI, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a match made in heaven in terms of working together. Um, yeah, Mark, you have anything to? Yeah, you know? I think you broke that down pretty well. I often think of this as uh, the it's so for so many companies they're they're accelerating they've leveraged an ipass to like sligo or others to to get quick time to value and automate their business and so now their their business is growing they moved into multiple channels they've they've automated a lot in order to cash they've probably integrated to the 3pl and they reach a certain point in scale and this could either be a large organization that's maybe moving into you know new channel new sales channels for the first time or this is a smaller company that's growing and this we we see this quite a bit where now they've they've sort of tapped out a lot of their direct to consumer sales avenues or at least that's their they've 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 gone in that direction and now the next thing is to start selling their products in directly to like larger to to you know we think of as often big box stores and so this is sort of the, the new new realm for their business from a go-to-market standpoint but as soon as they do that they land the they land that big uh that that big order with with costco or uh walmart or whatever it may be for the first time and then they're they're, they're all excited and then there's this you know you often heard that I've, I've had in my consulting past i've had and i'm sure you did in your consulting but eric they they cut they're they're freaking out they're like oh we have to get this implemented in this amount of time yeah. and we have to meet these standards and then there's there's penalties you know that, that's the other thing. Usually, when you're working at the scale and the 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 trading partners that you're 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 using to can you know move your data through EDI, you often have penalties if you're not communicating promptly, correctly, on time. If your shipments are incorrect, and those financial penalties can you keep like be massive if there's a mistake. So there's a lot of pressure to move quickly. And what I what I've seen is that it's EDI is traditionally like like you've mentioned it's moved so, it's moved so slowly and then it's very jarring to go from an environment where you can build and integrate quickly and now you're like oh you go to a traditional EDI provider and something takes forever and you want to bring it in house but you you maybe you've got a small team you've got some capabilities to build iPass based integrations but not EDI and that's where that's where we found orderful to to fit really well into this paradigm to help bridge that gap and provide that acceleration the that you don't get with traditional edi or or trying to like build it build it yourself and so yeah. the team doesn't need to be as technical yeah the thing that works really well is uh sligo has actually built some connectors pre-built from erps to orderful 
And so, you know, these brands that don't have the technical resources that can't actually, you know, write code would rely on the iPaaS for that connectivity. And that's, you know, that's something we've stayed out of traditionally. Um, so that's, you know, that's what makes it a really good match is like meeting, meeting these companies where they are, uh, providing them that kind of last mile connectivity so they don't have to worry about it. And then offering, you know, kind of a, a really modern and fast EDI experience that they couldn't get otherwise. Sweet. Thank you. I, I appreciate you both breaking that down. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. It looked like you. Had uh, yeah, I was just going to say, got me thinking about, you know, the key thing there is it's so much it's so much work it worked to, to figure out the let's call it the edi dialect of every individual trading partner and, and eric you're, you're taking care of that i how for for your customers that that knowledge of those yeah. and then on top of it that ai based transformation but how many trading different trading partners are you connecting to right now yeah there's, over, ten, there's okay. over yeah ten thousand requirements in the network now um Wow. And so what that means is, you know, every every trading partner has, you know, their own unique set of requirements per transaction type. Um, so there's about 10,000 of those different requirement docs published. And so when somebody connects to Orderful, they get they get access to all 10,000 of those through one connection. Um, and that's, you know, that's really, you know, what we're providing is this kind of one to many uh, experience. Um, but again, there's no silver bullet to making EDI fast and easy. That's one part of it. Um, you know, the other part of it is we have this validation engine that makes it very easy to validate your data against your requirements. So you no longer have to wait for your partner to email you responses back in testing. You can just test right in orderful. Another, another bullet is uh, the rules engine and now AI applied to the rules engine. Um, so we've layered on all these different uh, experiences to try to make the whole you know, the whole thing really fast and easy. Got it. Sounds like you're keeping peers very busy. like to hear that. <laughs> it's been a really, it's been a really good five years together. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Um, one, uh, one question that I'd like to throw in is something that I, I saw all over the orderful website is connect once and access all that's kind of the, the one to many. And I'm curious how that, uh, influences not only your business goals, but also maybe like your technology goals. Like obviously that's a really important concept in iPass. It's a really important concept in EDI, but how does, you know, connect once access all, like how does that drive orderful? Yeah, I think from a marketing perspective, it's a really easy way for people to understand what we do, right? Like you can connect once to orderful and trade EDI with anyone through that connection. Um, I think that's kind of the the core of the the message. Um, as far as you know, as far as like providing value, you know, we're trying to make EDI a lot easier for companies. So consolidating integrations, having companies do you know do more with less, right? Like the ability to trade with you know thousands of partners through one connection versus building thousands of connections. Um, you know, just innately kind of makes sense in terms of providing something that's easier, which equates to speed. From a technology perspective, it means we got to swallow a lot of complexity, right? Like <laughs> connect once for, you know, on that side and trade anywhere means there's a lot of work that has to happen on the back end. And so that it is, uh, 
yeah, technology, like there are loads and loads of different, you know, we, we've had to build our own, the, the DSL and the rules engine, you know, then trying to automate that and, and, and taking, abstracting away different uh, uh, transportation communication protocols. Uh, and then, uh, and uh, uh, what do you call it? Serialization formats, you know, be it Edifact or uh, X12, all of that, you know, that, that vision to deliver that means that we have to take, you know, an increasingly complex uh, technologies, uh, uh, problem behind us wouldn't have any other uh, any other way though but uh yeah that's what it means for us awesome also eric can have that one tagline that is connect one to trade anywhere <laughs> it does sound good go ahead mark sorry <laughs> to cut you off there yeah uh, it does so edi is there's a, there's been a, over the years there's been a lot of pro di different providers have developed in the edi space targeted it at different segments in it and um you know we've and, and i've had a chance to see some of these and it, it's interesting because it, it it seems like wow there's, this is obviously a big addressable market but it, it feels i remember the first time i worked with it back in the 90s someone was told me it was like oh yeah you know you don't don't worry too much about this it's it, this is old and it's not going to stick around and it's going to change and something more modern will replace and we as like we talked about earlier that hasn't necessarily happened it, edi stuck around but it's kind of a, evolved in different ways and i see orderful as, as an evolution orderful plus an ipass as an evolution of the paradigm to work with edi and it changes um the way that company gives companies a much different option but i'm curious um between you eric and Pierce, what do you see for the future when you look into the crystal ball of edi do you see it kind of continuing the same do you see big changes coming something transformational uh you know i'm curious how you how you how you think about this yeah i think you know what we know is the market is growing 12 percent year over year so it's not just a stagnant market it's not dying it's actually growing at a pretty fast rate um every year more companies more and more companies are using edi as their core way of communicating with their supply chains um so that's just a that's a fact how it could evolve is you know is is through modern tech and the challenge with the challenge with like companies adopting an api or you know let's even throw this out there like blockchain like you know we have we've seen some companies like ibm try to do something and and the food uh, supply chain with blockchain. I think that, I don't know what happened to that project, but like we've seen some iteration on blockchain tech and, and supply chain integration. Um, but I think that, I think like looking at those, uh, examples is like something that's going to learn from is, is that like the challenge with enterprises adopting new tech is that everybody has to do it. And I think the big challenge with, uh, that IBM project is they only had a few companies that signed up to actually uh, try the blockchain tech um, and they couldn't get everyone else to adopt it because everybody has competing priorities. So I think that's going to be the big uphill battle is like whatever new tech comes out, you know, we think we're at the forefront of it with, you know, a JSON based uh, RESTful API, um, you know, should be pretty adoptable by, by most at this point. Um, and we'll continue to evolve with whatever comes out. Uh, but the bigger the bigger challenge is going to be like, can people actually keep up with the tech, and can these companies, you know, make the time and have the money to 
adopt new types of technology. I, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think the way I have often thought about it is, and, and I came to this realization is like, oh, EDI is going to be here in another 40 years. I, I'll be, be surprised if it isn't. Um, and, and it'll be big. I, I, I'm just, I think we all just about guarantee it's going to be bigger. And, and, and the, my reason for the thinking around that is where you look at where the, where's the center of math, like where's the inertia around it. And it's really driven by these fairly large, it's kind of like in, in, from a, from a trading partner standpoint, a lot of these big retailers, big brick and mortar, traditional retailers kind of hold the inertia for this space. And so if to work with, to work with Costco or to work with um, uh, Macy's, uh, you have to communicate with them over EDI if you do your volume over a certain level. That really, I mean, that that says a lot right there. Like um, until you have the yourself as as a company has enough gravity to say no, we're not working that way, or the industry enough people say no, the industry's gone another direction and we won't. I, just the power dynamics of the industry. There's no incentive for these large companies to change something yeah. unless something radically more efficient or unless it would somehow like alter the the way they could go to market or or give them the ability to off to better service their customers and i'm sure they're looking at this saying well there's nothing nothing that makes sense so it, it, that means that my way of looking at that is that oh we're we're essentially until something that is it's coming from a direction that's changing how those those big box retailers and others think about it and approach it then we're stuck we're sort of stuck with this sort of somewhat standard and then it's all about how to do that standard better, like how to do a better job, how to how to maybe shift the paradigm, how to have a different offering. Um, and that certainly seems like, you know, where the way you've you've approached it. And I think how, how we're looking at it as well at Saligo. Yeah. For companies that want to adopt modern technology, orderful is, is there for them. Right. And I think that I think some of the limits that we see in the market are there's just a lot of companies that can't use an API. Right, and they need a they need a, a platform yeah. like Sligo. Um, and to your point of like, you know, the we call them leaders, like these companies that set the requirements and they they can force their yeah. followers how to trade with them. Uh, if the leaders adopted a new tech, let's say a leader said, "Hey, you must use an API." Right, the challenge they face is for their followers is all their followers must adopt API technology, and they may not have the resources to do that. So leader can't actually, they can, it's, it's kind of unavailable for them to introduce new tech to the market mm -hmm. because their, their supply chains can't move fast enough to, to work with them. So you're right. Maybe, maybe someday there's something that makes it really easy for both sides to just connect and trade right away. Um, you know, and that's, you know, and that would be the kind of the impetus to change. Um, but until then it's, you know, going to remain kind of the core way of doing business. Did we just start a new company? Well, we're working on this problem, of course, like <laughs> are, already working on it. Yeah, Jordan, if you're, if you're interested, you can you can uh, have a conversation with us after this, like while Mark's not there. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I, uh, I think that's interesting. It's 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 interesting that smaller brands don't have the the technical resources to keep up, I mean, even like I'm no technology expert, but I'm 
very familiar with APIs and, and what they do and how they work and that smaller brands don't have the opportunity to do that. And it's just very smart that the way that you guys have positioned yourself in the market and also plan to go down market. And so I know you mentioned that earlier, if you are going down market to not these massive enterprise companies, how do you plan on, um, I guess, providing them resources that will allow them, whether it's to interface with you guys or to in the you know future interface with like an, a, using an, use an API to interface with these massive distributors or, or businesses? Like how does, how, how do you guys plan when you go down market to help those smaller businesses succeed? Yeah, that's great. I mean, what we're thinking about is making, it's like meeting them where they're at, right? They're, they may be like a three to five person shop uh, that makes shoes or jewelry or, you know, whatever it is. And they don't have the technical resources. They probably also don't have the high volume of orders yet from wholesale, but maybe they start trading with a 3PL and start working with a 3PL to pay pack and ship their stuff and then start getting orders from one wholesale or maybe two. Um, so these brands don't need, they don't need the full blown kind of integrated solution. What they need is a kind of a web portal where they can go and handle, like receive all their orders, be in compliance with their partner, um, and then kind of manage all of that in one place. And, you know, this, this kind of like in the industry, what it's called is web form technology has been around for a very long time. Um, it's just something that we had never focused on as a company. Um, you know, we were initially focused on kind of this pre-integrated experience and converting people from their existing provider onto orderful. Um, and now we're, now we're looking at going down market and providing that kind of non-integrated experience. You got my, cool. my intern in the background here. <laughs> your, your helper. Yeah, that's right. It's smart. You're, you're attacking the problem from both sides, you know, whether you're small or big, you know, you're making sure that everyone is yeah. kind of getting involved in the orderful, uh, well, yeah, we're excited about that because we're we're actually going to take a like kind of a unique spin oh. on that experience, and it's not just going to be kind of data entry on invoices or acknowledgments or shipment notices. We're going to kind of have like a lightweight ERP experience within our product where hmm. you can kind of do you know order and inventory management, um, upload that information, and then disperse it to all of your partners uh, through this kind of central repository. So it should be a really really cool. Uh, feature we're really excited about it that's that's very that's very interesting um and this echoes like a pattern that i've certainly seen in the lower end of the market where especially for e-commerce companies they evolve and they don't they they don't have an erp so they've actually built out automation early but they're not using um you know, we consider kind of a more of a full featured uh erp with with inventory all in one They've kind of held that off to the side. They kind of hold their, you know, they might still be using QuickBooks for accounting, for example, but they've they've gone with an inventory management system and everything's integrated and centered around that. And they're holding off and often, you know, growing to be, you know, quite a bit larger than we, you know, I really traditionally saw having worked consulted, done a lot of consulting around this for a long time where they might be might be moving to an, an e, a modern ERP earlier. They're holding off and they're kind of approaching that stack a little bit differently. And, and this is, this is interesting. I mean, what you're proposing here, Eric, is really interesting because I think that that ends up being the the crux of that model is what where is your ER your ERP light functionality gonna live? Who where's your where are you gonna where are you gonna have your 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 order processing, your inventory flowing through? 
um, there's certainly there's certainly a lot of value to to smaller companies that are trying to open up those channels. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we see that as a big need, right? Like, that, like as these companies evolve, their technology stack evolves, and they may not be big enough to even have like a QuickBooks, right? <laughs> but they need, they need something. So you know, we we kind of see ourselves kind of fitting really nicely in the middle there. The thing I'm excited about too is that like you know we are an API first company. So if you look at our public documentation, I, I'm not sure exactly how many endpoints there are, maybe a dozen or so. But uh, like internally, we have I think it's well over 200 now, and that's because everything we build, uh, we build an API first, and our entire front end is a uh, you know is a you think of it as a thin client that uh, is an app that, that calls our API. So it's often like when we we take an API public. All we're doing is taking something internally and just putting a bit of polish on it and documenting it. And what that's going to allow us to do, like you mentioned, Mark, is like as people are, you know, I don't want to say like ERP is dead or anything that drastic, but like, you know, it, kind of the gargantuan ones are, uh, you know, a lot of folks are, are, are taking more, you know, a, a suite of products or a smaller uh, collection of them. But by having this, you know, this web forms and this uh, kind of ERP light approach backed by a full suite of APIs it'll be a more natural migration as you can just, you know, take integrate various parts of it by using the, the APIs uh, and hopefully the transition doesn't have to be as abrupt and it'll, it'll let people grow with us. I'm pretty excited about that. Great, I, I love that approach. It just results in a, a need for more integration. They yeah. uh, they move they move best of, uh, best of breed at SaaS applications earlier. So uh, yeah, this <laughs> is why we're friends. Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, that's really cool to hear. Uh, and you know, it's just, it's just uh, again. I know I say this in almost every podcast, but it's always fantastic having really like technical, um, specifically focused guests because I get to hear sides of the business that, as a social media manager, I don't always get to hear. And so, just the way you guys break things down has been um, incredibly uh, interesting and just communicated it super clear in a way that me and hopefully our listeners who aren't on the technical side of things can. Uh, can understand. Um, I know we're coming up on an hour and I don't want to take up all day of your time. Um, Mark, do you have anything in closing before I wrap things up? Any questions, loose ends, same with you, Piers or Eric, anything you'd like to discuss um, before we end things? Well, I'm just glad we didn't get into start talking about document type 850s, 810. So I think we stayed, I think we stayed right where we should for an EDI conversation. I'm upset we didn't a little bit, but uh... okay. <laughs> next time we'll have you guys on again. This has been a, a really fantastic podcast episode. Um, this is a little tradition around here, the way that I like to wrap things up. Um, we always talk about serious things and we always talk about um, technical things uh, and, you know, technology SaaS related. Um, but I always think it's important to have CEOs and CTOs and CIOs and CDOs um, be remembered as people that, are actually people. They're not just technological coding robots who do nothing but work all day. So with that in mind, uh, I'll start with you, Eric, and then I'll transition to you, Piers. Um, completely outside of work, what are your passions and hobbies and interests uh, for those who want to get to know you a little better? Yeah, right on. So uh, I love I love to mountain bike. Uh, I love mountain biking. I love road biking. But uh, this summer, I've been doing a lot of mountain biking. I recently moved to Lake Tahoe. Um, so I live... Uh, on the Nevada side now. And then uh, I also spend my time up in Vancouver, which is where I'm sitting now. But both places have amazing mountain biking. And, uh, you know, when the weather gets 
cold in Tahoe, I'll just come up to Vancouver and ride here. And when the weather's nicer back there, I'll go back south. So, um, yeah, that's just, you know, that's kind of my passion outside of uh, outside of work. That's okay, awesome. I got I to gotta interject there and ask a question. The most important one of the whole pod, pod, uh, podcast here then is cross country, enduro or downhill? You know, mainly, mainly enduro. And I like, yeah. I like, uh, I love trail riding. I like, I like both the kind of aerobic and the adrenaline sides of it. Although this weekend I went to Whistler and rode downhill, which was so fun. Um, I'm, I'm um, down for all of it, but yeah, I love, I love the enduro and slash trail riding. I thought you were going to say like X games, flips and tricks and things like <laughs> no, that. No, no, I don't I'm know what that's that. called, but that's what I pinned yeah, you I'm as. Not doing that. I'm, you know, I don't think uh, order for would enable me or allow me to, to try anything like that. Well, that's good to hear. And for SDRs out there listening, now you know how to prospect Eric. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to transfer that to peers, peers outside of work. Uh, what are you, what are you interested in? What do you like to do? What are you passionate about? Uh, Pre-kids, I'd say my biggest thing was a travel bug. My wife and I love traveling, but uh, once we had uh, my son, the first kid, we took a one-year-old to Ireland, and I was like, nope, never again. We're staying local until these guys can, like, you know, understand what time change is and, and jet lag and all that. So uh, I got young kids. I got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. My my life very much outside of work revolves around them. Uh, so a lot of it is activities are seeing light the world through their eyes. My son does scouting. Uh, and so I've joined as a, uh, I volunteer as a, as a, as a scout leader there and you get to, you know, explore the, the natural world and that sort of stuff. And this is going to be super disappointing though. Like, like outside of the kids, what do I do? Because you said, you know, you specifically pressed it, uh, prefaced it with saying you're not just super technical uh, kind of dorks that do that stuff. And unfortunately what I'm doing with my spare time right now, I've fallen down this rabbit hole of programmable leds and my goal is to make uh you know you know those are those houses with uh like, uh christmas displays where everything's all uh sync to music and and programming leds there's some great software wled if anyone's ever curious look into it. it's amazing what's happened in the last year uh but yeah i'm uh, ordering parts off of uh you know aliexpress and soldering things together and uh building light shows for my house so uh, i cannot get away from the, the tech too much even uh even on my own time that's fantastic. My wife just sent me a link to something to a similar type of product. So maybe if I want to build my own, I'll, I'll reach out to you. Um, with that in mind, I just want to say thank you guys for both of your time. Um, for everyone listening to the Technology Leaders podcast, I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you made it this far, we have some really fantastic guests coming up. Uh, Piers and Mark, or Piers and Eric, if you can just stick around for a second, that'd be fantastic. Um, but everybody listening, have a great rest of your week and see y'all. Bye now. Thank you. Take care.